Oh boy, I tell you what, mom is, she's got quite a job, doesn't she? That is a load of work and sometimes a thankless sacrifice. You know, I realize that minutes, just minutes into being a parent. My oldest daughter, Mary Beth, was born June 16th, 1991. Well, June 16th, that year was on a Sunday, means Aunt Mary Beth was, was born on Father's Day. And this is just an incredible picture because my wife was in labor all night long, gives birth that morning, and then as family and friends come, they bring Father's Day cards and gifts for me. I mean, isn't that great? She does all the work, I get cards and gifts. That's the life of being a mom, isn't it? It is a chore, it is a job, and it is worthy of being honored. You know, honoring mom actually goes a a long, long, long way back. The Greeks, uh, even in their system of false gods, uh, they had a a spring festival where they worshipped the mother of gods, Ray. And in worshiping those false gods, and they didn't call them false, but they were, uh, in worshiping those false gods, they, they would honor their mother, and then you come into the, the 1600s, and in England, they had a thing called Mothering Sunday. Now, in that time in history, people didn't travel all over the world. They didn't travel far from their home or their village. But at that time in England, it was very poor. There was a famine, a lot of, not a lot of work, and people would have to travel wherever they could to, to get a job. And this went on for such a long period of time that they developed this thing called Mothering Sunday. Wherever you were out in the world trying to make a living, you came home on Mothering Sunday to spend the day with mom. As we come into the United States in 1872, Julia Ward Howe, that name might ring a bell. She wrote the Battle Hymn of the Republic. She was also the first one to kind of begin campaigning for the idea of of celebrating moms, of honoring moms with a particular day. In 1907, Anna Jarvis, really pushing for a national day, got ones established locally and in several states. And she started it on the second Sunday in May, which was the anniversary of her mother's passing. By 1914, Woodrow Wilson got the message And he signed into law Mother's Day as a national holiday, the second Sunday in May. But I hope we know when here, don't we, that the idea of honoring moms didn't come from the Greeks or Anna Jarvis or Julia Ward Howe or anybody else. That idea came from God. And it wasn't just an idea or a good idea or a suggestion. It was a command. It goes all the way back to the Ten Commandments. You and I are to honor our father and our mother. And that command is repeated all the way throughout Scripture. That word honor in in the Old Testament, I've talked about this word several times, it, it means to make weighty, to make heavy. And so when it says to honor your mom, the idea is is that we are to make mom, we're to make the position of motherhood weighty in our life. She is to have a weighty significance in my life. And and I think there's two ideas there. One, honoring mom, the person, but also honoring motherhood, the institution, society should honor the mother. Now we're going to do that different ways throughout life, aren't we? When we're a child, that honor is primarily going to be expressed by obeying. And the scripture commands that too, that children are to obey their mom and their dad. It's interesting, that word obey comes from a word that means to strain to listen. Now, how does straining to listen 
turn into obedience. Well, think about it. When a child doesn't do what they're supposed to do, what do they say? I didn't. I didn't hear you. I didn't know that's what you meant. Oh, I didn't understand. So now what God has done is he's done an end around on them. And he said, no, 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 no. Don't say you didn't hear. Don't say you didn't understand. That's my will for you. If you even think mom's voice is back there in the ground somewhere, you are to strain to hear it. You're to strain to make sure you've understood. Why? So you can obey. So that you can honor her. Now there's probably going to be more than one child throughout life that will say, well, my mom wasn't very worthy of being obeyed. Or, or my mom wasn't very worthy of being honored. I, where's the passage that says, honor them if? Ah, there's no if. There's no if. What God is telling us as children, and maybe even as we deal with this when we grow up, when He wants us to honor and obey an imperfect person, an imperfect situation, by honoring and obeying, we're, we're telling God, Lord, I trust You. I trust you with this imperfect situation. I, I trust you with this imperfect person. And I know that even in this, you'll bring about your good and perfect will for my life. So the will of God is to obey your mom, to obey your dad. That's how you show them that honor. Now we're going to grow up, hopefully. We're going to grow up and as we leave the home and take on independence, that obedience changes a little bit. And now we honor mom with reverence, with respect. It's not as much obedience now. I don't really obey my mom, but I seek to respect her and to revere her. I do that and I respect her by the way I talk, the way I talk to her, the way I talk about her. We're respectful in the way we consider our mom. Do we consider her needs emotionally? Physically, does she have financial needs? Relationally, I'm respectful of her. You know, maybe the biggest challenge here is the biggest way we respect mom. And that's with our lives. Cards, candy, lunch today, all good, all wonderful. She deserves it. But there's really a whole lot more that honors and respects her than that. And that's our lives. Proverbs 23, 25 says, Let her who gave you birth rejoice. Simple question for everybody in the room today. Does my life give mom an opportunity to rejoice? Remember, don't start evaluating her worthiness. That's God's command for you. Does your life give mom an opportunity to rejoice. You know, I'll bet every one of us in here probably has an idea of whether that answer is yes or no. And if it's no or probably not, I bet we all know exactly what it would take. What kind of change, what kind of decision would bring our lives into a place, into a position that mom could rejoice. It's a command that we honor our mom. Now, moms, if we're going to talk about honoring you, I think to do the day justice... We should also talk about what an honorable mom does look like. And Scripture actually goes into great detail and talks a lot about the position of motherhood all the way through Scripture. But I'm going to use four passages in a couple of books right close together. First, Second Timothy and Titus. So turn with me to First Timothy 2.15. 
1 Timothy 2.15. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, we've got some under the chairs there in front of you. Not necessarily every chair, but you probably can see one up and down the road there somewhere. If you point to it, I'm sure somebody will hand it to you. 1 Timothy, kind of in the latter half of the New Testament. Get past Philippians, Colossians, Thessalonians. About then you should run into Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 2, and I want to begin reading verse 15. And the first point that we want to make today is that an honorable mom finds fulfillment in the home. Look at 1 Timothy 2.15. It says here, but she will be saved. Look at this phrase. But she will be saved through childbearing if she continues in faith, love, and holiness with good sense. Now that is an awkward phrase, isn't it? I mean, the way it reads, it almost sounds like, as a matter of fact, it's not almost, it does sound like, if you have children, you're saved. Is that what it means? Is that what it's saying? Well, no, that's not what it means, because we know Scripture says very clearly we are saved by faith in Christ alone. But that does say saved. So what does it mean? Well, when we see the word saved in Scripture, quite often we're going to read it and understand we're talking about being saved from death, being saved from hell, being saved from sin. We attribute it to that idea of salvation in heaven. But we also need to remember this word saved has a very common, regular, everyday physical meaning to it. You can be saved out of an accident. You can be saved from a bad decision. You can be saved from drowning. You can be saved from all kinds of things. Well, in this context of this passage and Paul talking about women, I believe what he's saying here is, congratulations, ladies, you can be saved from insignificance by childbearing. Now, does that mean if you don't have children, you are insignificant? No, of course not. What Paul is acknowledging here, what God is acknowledging here is the rat race we get caught up in. We get caught up in pursuing significance. I, I want to know my life counts. I, I want to know it means something, that it, that it adds up to something, that it has value. I want to be significant. And, and we look at all kinds of things to say, I, I, I arrived, I achieved, I'm significant. We look at our jobs, our titles, our positions, our achievements. There's all kinds of things we'll look at. I think we've really reduced it in America. We basically think if I'm real busy, I'm significant. If I've got about three more things than I can actually do in one day, and I'm always five minutes late, then I'm significant because I'm busy, busy, busy. Oh, it's such a lie. Busyness does not make you significant. A lot of these things I just mentioned will not, at the end of a day, at the end of a lifetime, mean that we've lived significantly. But that's what Paul's saying here is, ladies... You can be saved from that rat race of trying to find something that says you're significant. When you bear children, when you have a child, you've, introdu you've introduced to your life a significant opportunity. Now, we don't always feel that way, do we, moms? I, I, I hear moms, you know, I don't know, it just doesn't feel like a very significant day. And our society doesn't say you're very significant. Oh, you're just a mother, you're just a homemaker, that's it. It's not exactly attaching significance to motherhood, is it? You know, mothering is a lot like investing. You know, investors will tell, especially young couples, if you'll just put away a little bit every month for your whole life. Man, just give it $25 a month. 
Just put away $25 a month for the rest of your life and you won't believe what that will add up to by the time you reach retirement. Well, you know what? $25 in a given month, that's not a very significant contribution, is it? That's not very big when you think of an entire retirement out there. But it's that little contribution added with a whole lot of others that makes it add up. And that's a lot like what mothering is. Yeah, those little individual things of wiping dirty noses and dirty bottoms, of answering an endless litany of questions, of dealing with an endless litany of problems, of running carpool. Yeah, you can look at any one of those little things and say, that's, that's not very significant. In the big scheme of what's going on in the world today, that doesn't look, that doesn't feel very important. But you know what? It's all of those things added up. It gives the significant contribution. Now you're probably thinking, yeah, what it adds all up to is that, that perfect child, right? Ah, I wish I could say that's the truth. You know, Scripture nowhere gives us as many principles and commands as it gives about parenting. It never gives a formula. You do one, two, three, and out pops the perfect kid. Out pops the kid who will always do what you want every time, always be wonderful, always be proud of him or her. Now, Scripture doesn't give a formula. Raising children is not a science, not a formula. No, rather, it's not the, the child that I really refer to after this lifetime of contributions. Mom, it's you. After a lifetime of those contributions, you are a mother. And it is that person, it is that position that God honors and that God applauds. An honorable mom is going to find fulfillment in that position. An honorable mom is also going to, uh, an honorable mom is also defined by one who manages her home. Turn a few pages over to 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 14. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 14. It says, Therefore, I want the younger women to marry, have children, Manage their households and give the adversary no opportunity to accuse us. I want to focus on one little word there, and that's that word manage. In the Greek language, the word there is despot. Now, despot in the English language means tyrant. So mom apparently has a command of God to be a tyrant in the home. Some of you ladies feel freed up now. Say, I told you. Well, I'll come back and explain that a little bit in a moment. But you know, one thing I do want us to see in that word, because it's a position of authority, it's a position of leadership. You know, society lies to us. They tell us all the time, you know what? The Bible and Christianity take from women. The, the Bible and Christianity reduce women. Folks, that is a huge lie. You've heard me say this before from the pulpit. I challenge you to go somewhere in history, to go somewhere in the world today. Show me a culture that affords women any kind of equality, that affords women any kind of position, and I will show you a culture 100% of the time that somewhere has been directly impacted by Christianity and the Bible. Because no man, no religion, no culture has ever given women equality and position. Listen to this. No woman has ever given women equality and position. Only Christ. Only the Bible have done that. And that's why you, find it, you don't find a culture where that happens without the Bible having been there. Now let's think about that position for a moment. Because I really don't think, ladies, God wants you to be a tyrant in your house. 
No, rather what that word also means in, the, in its language is also has the idea of a ship's captain. And what does a ship's captain do? He orchestrates all the lives on that boat so that they're all working in harmony. They're all working together. The ship stays afloat and we're all going in the same direction at a good pace together. And that is the life of a mom. Sometimes mom is the one who absolutely has her fingers on the pulse of a home. And she can work together to orchestrate the life and the schedule of that husband, the lives and the schedule of those children and of that home and make it all work together so that the ship's afloat, moving all together harmoniously. An honorable mom is focused on managing her home. An honorable mom also lives her faith in front of her home. Flip over to 2 Timothy now. Still just a couple of pages. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. Paul's writing again to Timothy. He says, clearly recalling your sincere faith. Now, where did that faith start that Timothy have? That first lived in your grandmother Lois, then in your mother Eunice, Eunice, that I am convinced is in you also. Now, folks, this passage isn't a command. It's not even really a teaching. It's just a portrait Paul's painting a picture and he writes, he talks about Timothy's grandmother and his mother. And folks, think about what's happening here. This is Scripture. This is eternal. The Word of God is eternal. It lasts forever. These two ladies, by God, have been immortalized. I mean, think about it. Here we are 2,000 years later. We're still talking about Lois and Eunice, aren't we? What did these great ladies do? just says they live their faith in front of Timothy. Nothing more. Nothing less. You know, thinking about this passage, it, it got me to wondering. And by the way, when I say this, I don't know the answer. Can somebody be an honorable mother, an honorable father for that matter, and not pass off the faith of Christ? You know, the reason I say I struggle with that question is because I've seen what, what I would call, what you would call, a good mom, a good dad that was an unbeliever. They, they were not a follower of Christ. They did not have faith in Christ. But, I mean, when you watch them as a father, you watch them as a mother, they did by anybody's standard, the way anybody would measure a parent, they did a good job. They provided for him, they cared for him, they loved him, they disciplined him, they trained him, they, they prepared him to go out into the world and stand on their own. They were a good mom, a good dad. I, I am positive most of us in this room, we can think of somebody we would point to that we thought was a, a good mom, a good dad. They weren't a believer. Can they be honorable in the eyes of God for that? You know, I think of a, a passage in Mark chapter 8, verse 38, matter of fact. I think it's one of the most haunting passages in the, in the New Testament. Christ is speaking and it says, you know what, if you gain the whole world... But you lose your soul. You have nothing. Now let, let's turn that verse around just a little bit and think about it from a parent's perspective. If I give my kids the whole world, I give them, I give them everything that could be expected of a father, could be expected of a mother. If I give them everything, but I don't show them faith in Christ, have I really given them anything? That's a tough question, isn't it? But I know this. 
And we see it right here. I made that point a moment ago. Remember I said God honors the position of a mother. And here it is in 2 Timothy. God immortalizes two names. Who we don't know anything about their life other than this. As a mom. As a grandmother. They modeled the faith for Timothy. Fourth thing we see. The last thing is that an honorable mom finds the priority in her home. Look at Titus now. Titus, just a couple more pages. It's right after 2 Timothy. Titus chapter 2, verse 4. Titus chapter 2, verse 4. I'm actually going to begin about four, five, six words before verse 4. This is a, uh, it's talking about the older women of the church. What are they to do? They are to teach what is good so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands and children, to be sensible, pure, godly, or excuse me, good homemakers, and submissive to their husbands, so that God's message will not be slandered. That's an interesting phrase, isn't it? You remember what our, me- our, our sermon was about last week? About proclaiming God's word, proclaiming God's message, and that even being seen in our lives. And now here we are the very next week. We're talking about a mother and the opportunity for that message to be seen or, in a negative sense, for that message to be slandered because it's not seen. The priority of mom is her home. That's what an honorable mom looks like. Man, her heart flies straight to her husband, to her children, to the well-being of her home. That's where her energy, her attention, her devotion, her prayers, her time, everything goes to that home. That's not to say, that's not to say that, that a woman doesn't have any other interests. That's not to say she doesn't have any other involvements. I think it is to say they all pale in comparison to the time, to the energy, to the attention that she gives to her home. You know, our culture, I think this phrase was, was first coined in the 80s, supermom. Supermom, it's an interesting phrase because really it has the idea of you being super at really anything and everything but actually being a mom. The, the, the supermom is the one who can work 40, 50 hours a week and come home and work 40, 50 hours there, get everybody to soccer and look pretty doing it. Supermom, it's a lie. Ladies, God hasn't called you to be super mom. All God has asked you to do is to follow Him. And to live that following in front of them. And to lovingly care for them. And while you do that, our society probably will not applaud you for that. Unfortunately, your family might not always applaud you for that. But in those times, in those moments, in those days when being a mom is not very rewarding, when being a mom doesn't bring a lot of rejoicing... On those days when those who should be honoring you are not. Could I challenge you? Could I encourage you? Just glance up at heaven for a moment. And know with all your heart. God is applauding you. And that applause lasts forever. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, I just pray in this moment that You would speak to all of us. Lord, would You help us to kind of take stock of our lives and just ask ourselves, is my life something Mom can rejoice in? And Lord, let us look at that truthfully. And if it's not, would you guide us into, into some decisions, some changes, some choices that we could make that would begin to move that toward a life she would rejoice in? Because we want to honor her, Lord, and we want to obey you. Lord, for some of us, those choices and decisions might not be easy. We sure do need your help. We need you to give us the courage to do that. Lord, for those ladies in here today who are a mom, a grandmother, Lord, there's not a whole lot of positions in life like parenting that can more readily make us feel like a failure. That can more readily make us feel like we just don't add up. Oh God, may we go back to that song we praised you with today about your grace. About your grace. God, maybe what this mom needs to do today is just say she's sorry. Sorry to you. Maybe sorry to a child. What a way to model the faith. To very simply confess sin. And to live that forgiveness. To enjoy that forgiveness. To grab a hold of that grace. Oh, what a model mom can be. Lord, I know there are those in here today who this is the first Mother's Day that uh, they've been through with, without their mom. And it's a little bit hard today, God. I'm grateful that nobody understands that more than you. And I pray you'll be for them right now, right now what they need. Be their hope. Be their encouragement. Be their strength. God, whatever mom might have been for them today, would you be that? Would you show them your goodness and faithfulness? Lord, we pray about all of this in the wonderful, the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You know what? Jesus is everything. Wherever we are in here today, if we need to, to better lead a life that mom can rejoice in, if we need to better model a life for our kids, if we need help with a lost loved one. Man, Jesus is the answer. He's everything that we need. He's everything that we need to meet God. Well, if you don't have that relationship, if you don't know that relationship with Jesus Christ, on this day, let this be the day. Maybe you take the first, most significant step of leading to mom to rejoice. Because I can't imagine a mom that would rejoice over more than seeing her child come into faith in Christ and eternal life. And if you don't know that you have that life, that forgiveness, I want to encourage you as we conclude our service, we're going to stand and sing. And as we do that, would you just come forward? Take one of these pastors by the hand and say, man, I want to know more about having a relationship with Christ. Maybe you're here today and you know that, that God wants you to be a member of this church family. He's been leading you that way. You've been thinking that's what you need to do. This time is for you also. Just come down here and tell one of these pastors, I want to be a member here. We'll help you with that also. As we stand and as we sing, what is Jesus calling you to do today? You say yes. You can trust the Lord Jesus.